Welcome back to Geek Life, Panamanga.com's very own podcast. I'm JP. As always with me is my fearless co-host, the Brian. I'm back, bitches! Yeah, we kicked him off last time because we didn't have enough mics, but now we have enough. Yeah, well, Because people on, didn't come. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been on for two weeks now. I know, we've been, we've been missing you dearly. I'm sure you, you have. You've been on in spirit, though. Uh, I'm sure I have been. We, we heart Brian very much. I saw him crying. There was that. Too. After he slammed the door, we could all hear him whimpering. <laughs> I, was, I had to edit that part out. Yeah, I kind of had my corner fetal position crying. Yep. yep. Yeah, you and your boyfriend pillow. Yeah, with my boyfriend pillow. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Also with us tonight, because it is zombies today, we have the 8th Henry. Quake with fear, for Ragnarok is here. Excellent. <laughs> and of course, Pinku. There's nothing but beards in this room. <laughs> beards are good. We like beards. I Does like that beards. mean you're a bearded lady? No. So, uh, other than you, there's nothing but beards. There's nothing but beards in this room. Oh, in, okay. <laughs> and then with us also, Nero. Hello, welcome to my wonderful beardatorium. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Beard, beards are manly. Yes, please. Manly vote? Manly. Manly? Manly. manly. Oh, okay. Now we have to explain that. You're so welcome. Long ago, <laughs> long ago, the admin had just finished art school. We were at one of her art exhibits. I guess it's customary to do that sort of stuff right after you complete. And so we're all hanging out, supporting her. And Henry'd been there all day, helping her out, setting stuff up, being the good boyfriend. I try. And he was tired and a little grumpy. I I try. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was, you know, desperately racking my brain to find a way to show him that he was being a good, good man, a manly man doing manly things. And so I said... Let's let's make a vote. Let's make a vote. Henry, helping helping girlfriend, manly, and, and I raise my hand like you're about to swear yourself in or something. Is it manly, manly, and then everybody manly, and then then the manly vote was born. So now you can go unto the world, geek life listeners, and and you can vote on things whether or not they're manly, and and let your friends know they're being manly men doing manly things on the path of the man <laughs> at the beardatorium. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, my favorite person right there. Legally. Legally. Are <laughs> yeah, you obliged to say it? Uh, yeah, Get yeah, a good yeah. lawyer, folks. Yes. <laughs> so, like I said, today's subject is zombies. But first, a little housekeeping. We've got a lot to talk about on housekeeping this time around. Some exciting things are going on. First and foremost, I would like to make a quick apology about there not being a lot of comic updates recently. Unfortunately, my grandmother was in the hospital. Because I'm drawing both of the comics that are updating currently... That got completely derailed for a little while. Not only that, but I also picked up another job because, you know, I have to have a a normal job for now. For now. But uh, anyway, so things are balancing out. Grandma's doing really well for all of you that are worried for those five seconds. I just told you about it. (laughs) Good job. Glad to hear Grandma Pam is doing fine. And we're getting a lot more visitors to the Beardatorium. Absolutely. What the hell is a torium? <laughs> Whatever a torium. It's a beardatorium. Beard Shut the f- up, you need, Do you need a beard to get into the beardatorium? It's, it's no, not no. confirmed to be manly. It's, it's, a, it's about the history of awesomeness that is beards. It's, everyone's it's like, welcome. It's like, right? it's like a Brondo. Do you, do you sell beards, like stick-on beards, at, at the souvenir shop at the beardatorium? Let's, let's make it happen. We need to make we this happen. Do this. Somebody help. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so things are getting back on track. I've been able to find some openings in my schedule to be able to get back to the comics action. And so you can expect comics to return on the 27th of May. Now, why the 27th? Why not right away? Well, let me tell you. On the 15th of this very month at the Sacramento Art Institute, I actually am going to be giving a lecture. And... It's surprisingly hard to write a lecture. <laughs> and so it's been taking up a substantial amount of my free time. 
And it seems like, oh, putting together something to talk about for, you know, half hour, 45 minutes. Ah, I can do that. Sure, I can. But it's taking hours and hours to put it together and collect my thoughts. And because I'm a little bit of a psycho, I'm going to record it, listen to it, record it, listen to it, do it again, edit it. You know how that goes. That is a little demented. Actually, it's it's the way to do it correctly. Yeah, it's the proper way of doing when things. Have, look, there's two ways of doing things. There's my way, <laughs> and then there's the wrong way. My way is the wrong way doing it faster. So there's no right way. There's just, there's no Not way when I'm concerned. <laughs> I see. Well, anyway, on the 15th at the Sacramento Art Institute, I'll be giving a lecture titled Personal Before Pro, The Power of Reputation and Fan Currency. If you want to know what that's about, go ahead and check the blog. Hopefully by the time of this release, we'll have a little bit of information about that. And yeah, so hopefully, hopefully that'll go well for me. I'm excited about it. But again, that's taking a substantial amount of time and it's exciting though. So it'll be fun. In other news... Geek Life is going to Big Wow. Wow. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Wow. Not just wow. wow. Big Wow. As wow. Of, this is not Big World of Warcraft, thank God. It's as <laughs> yeah. big, big as in Wow. Yeah, so this is what? The largest... The largest... Northern Nor- California... Northern comic California book comic book and sci-fi so convention? S- yes, yeah, since we lost WonderCon, the... Yeah, right? The Northern Californian Bay Area has had this sort of vacuum, and so Big Wow is stepping up in a huge way. And really putting out an excellent, excellent comic convention. It's going to be kind of the big definitive comic convention in the area. Which is saying something, because there's a lot that goes on in the comic community in this area. And WonderCon WonderCon was awesome. And we'll miss it forever. But hopefully it'll come back someday. I don't really know all of the details. But yes, Big Wow has stepped up in a huge way. It's super exciting. It's going to be amazing. Stan Lee's going to be there. Nice. I mean, what other name in pop culture comics would you, you know, w- w- like brings more buzz than Al- Stan Lee? Alan Moore. Possibly. Possibly. But, I mean, Stan, Stan Lee is such a... mostly because of his wizard powers. <laughs> you never know. He might, his... ju- he might just <laughs> just show up in a puff of smoke. He also has an incredible beard, if I may say. He does. True, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have clippings of it at the Beardatorium. <laughs> Took a lot to get. <laughs> I had to rip it off of him personally. He was not happy. No. I told him I hated comics, so he would never find me. <laughs> so we're going to Big Wow. So yes, Big Wow is May 18th and 19th at the San Jose Convention Center. Mm-hmm. We will I- be there Sunday the 19th. Actually, as of the day of recording, we actually got the call to that confirmed that we got our press passes. So we'll be there in a press yeah, so, capacity. So Joe, JP, and the admin will be there, all three of us running around with press passes, talking to mostly people in the artist's alley. Over the past couple, I guess the past year or so, when we've been covering events, we've re- realized that well, first, we get, we're all excited and we tried to cover everything. That doesn't work. <laughs> so what we got the most positive response for was the focusing on Artist Alley, talking to the independent publishers, picking up some comics to review on the podcast. That really seems like the best way to go. And so that's what we're going to focus on. We're going to go in, you know, laser sights and and really, really hit that indie side of the Big Wow convention. There's a lot going on there. And I'm sure that we'll have lots of exciting content specifically about the indie Artist Alley sort of zone. But that's that's the focus. Also something exciting, I've been talking to a gentleman named John Boudin. I hope you I didn't butcher your name, John about a comic that he is developing. It's still in the early stages. He just sent me the first strip kind of in pieces, not all the way put together, but the the concept for the first strip, and it's looking really funny. He's trying to be really careful about giving away spoilers about what it is and 
So until we get something published and up there, I'm going to kind of stay tight-lipped about it. But just suffice it to say, it looks really, really funny and has a has kind of a fun... I'll have to show you guys after the podcast <laughs> what it is. It's it's looking like it's going to be really good. This is going to be a long ways off in the future before this ever hits the website. But I wanted to bring this up because I want to remind you guys, if there's anybody listening that is an artist, a writer, writer of comics, writer of articles, just a geek, and you want to get involved in Pandamanga, go to contact.pandamanga.com, send us an email and see if we can work together. We'd love to work with you. Again, that's contact.pandamanga.com if you want to contribute. Contribute means write for comics, connect with some of the artists that we know, connect with some of the writers that we know. If you're an artist, write articles. Maybe we can connect together if you do a video thing on YouTube. We can get that under the Pandamanga umbrella, help you with some of our resources. If you've got an awesome webcomic and you want to have it be even more awesome. Yeah, if you've, got an, if you've got a webcomic and maybe you're struggling with exposure or you just are just hungry for more exposure, let us know. Well, maybe we can work together. We would love to talk to anybody who's working hard and doing good stuff in the indie comics world. So please give us a email at contact.pandemanga.com and hopefully we can start working together. Speaking of exciting independent comic stuff, at the free comic book day over at Waterfront Comics in Sassoon, California... That's like the plug. You gotta have yes, a plug. Yes. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. Anyway. Number one. Yes. So recently at Free Comic Book Day over at Waterfront Comics, we recorded a live podcast, which was the previous podcast. If you haven't listened to that, go ahead and do that. It was a bunch of fun. However, at Free Comic Book Day, we actually were able to talk to some of the other exhibitors there. Amazingly, instead of it just being free comics and cupcakes, as it's been, <laughs> you know... And snow cones. And snow cones. And bouncy houses. and Well, yeah, exactly. It's it gotten was. really huge. Waterfront Comics is really threw down this year. I mean, it was almost like a mini yeah. comic convention. No, it was, it was like a mini artist alley there. It was very cool. It was pretty cool. So we, we actually got a couple of independent comics that we're excited to review and share with you guys on, on the upcoming podcasts, but we spoke with Noel Serrato, and he is doing this exciting project. It's called Zombies in a Half Shell. They are... <laughs> Nice. Yeah, let that mm -hmm. percolate for a second. That means <laughs> TMNT. TMNT, hells yeah. So, Zombies in a Half Shell, they are actually doing this exciting project, and it's gone Kickstarter right now. As of this recording, they've actually already hit their goal, and so they're actually moving into the stretch goals. And they just barely started. I mean, they've got almost the entirety of the campaign left. So, I recorded an interview with Noel so that we can have him tell you guys what's going on with that. So, we'll go ahead and play that now. I'm here with Noel Serrato of Zombies in a Half Shell. Yes, yes, yes. So this is a Kickstarter comic. It's, a, you're, it's not a Kickstarter comic. It's a Kickstarter that's going to fund your comic. Exactly. It's not really... Um, we're not funding a comic book. It's more of a comic book project mm -hmm. that's with a book teaser for most. And also, the main concept is driving around a website. Okay. And um, a lot of people think it's going to be a comic book series, which we're not going for. Is so it's like a one-shot is what you're looking at doing? Or? Not really, not really. It's the, the book coming out is a teaser. Okay. And it's going to introduce five different stories. It's going to kick off the series. but What connects the stories? Like, how is years, it a series? Years. It's going to be um, from when the Turtles first touched down in 1984. Okay. And it's going to take a five-year period, which is 84 through 89. Okay. Each um, year is going to drive around five different art teams from five different studios. Okay. But it's all combining in one big story. Nice. So it's back and forth, a lot of loopholes, a lot of confusion going on. But we're actually starting off where it all began in 1984. Nice. So this is a very different take. I was talking to your friend right next to you who's going to be publishing the paper version of it when it's when it's ready for that. Exactly. exactly. And so tell me a little bit. Don't give anything away because I want to I want to be like, wow, when I'm reading it. Too much but, away. But, but give me a premise. So um, it's a upside down world, a grim tale of the turtles being the bad guys 
and the that is clan. certainly a different take. The the, the <laughs> clan being the last rebel alliance, if you like to say, since we're in the Star Wars theme, right? To save the world, right? And it all starts down like z- Ground Zero is New York City. Okay. And um, it all starts with the turtles. Everything is about the turtles, but there is key members around, the key <coughs> players are around. We're going to bring in some people that, if you're a fan of the series right now in 2013, absolutely. There's a lot of characters that haven't been brought out that's from the vintage series from the, the 80s, the sure. late 80s, that we're bringing back. Some are dead already. Okay. Some have been killed off a while ago. Mm-hmm. But and doing a reboot, you have the flexibility to be able to bring them in at your own leisure. Oh, we can't because um, I'm going to get to that. Oh, really? There is no comic book. There's okay. a teaser book coming out, mm. and after that, there's no other book. Everything's going to be given for free for the fans on the website. I see. When, so when we launch... So are we talking webcomic like sideways web, strip, or talking like full issue size we're style? We're talking about full issue size. Okay, but it's going to be a free webcomic. Free webcomic. It's going to be uh, launching the same time as the teaser um, book is going to be released. So when are you aiming to launch this? It's going to be September 2014. Okay. And we're aiming next year, because it's going to be, a, again, 30th anniversary for the... Teenage Mutant That's Ninja right. Turtles. So, um, if those who are not knowledgeable, as five years ago, if not then um, four years ago, it was 25th anniversary. We're yeah. going to the 30th anniversary. So it's exciting! Big year, a lot of celebration. Hell yeah! A lot of things going on. I'm pretty sure whoever's publishing the the regular, you know, just the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are going to be having something going on. Um, conventions everywhere are going to have their own theme. We're just five groups of studios coming out with an original idea. And give me something for free for the fans. It's fans for the fans. That's awesome. So if you go to kickstarter.com and search for Zombies in a Half Shell, right. make sure it's by Noel Serrato. Exactly. You go right ahead and fund that up. Now, do you have some exciting perks for people who are funding? Yes, yes, yes. Tell us a little bit about that. Thank you for asking that. Hell yeah. Um, we actually, for the 30th anniversary teaser edition, we actually bring somebody from the 1980s, the late 1980s, an artist doing the front cover, exclusive front cover. And we're only doing 300 count. That's it. After the 300, that's it. We're, we're not doing second printings, third printings. Will it be available digitally after that? No. So this is it. This is it. It's, so so you hear that, ladies and gentlemen? Make sure that you check this out and get in on the Kickstarter because this is wicked limited. Right. 300 count. It's a low count. Yeah. And this cover, I've already seen it. I've seen it um, sketched out. It's a different version sketched. The black and whites is what we're going with. The color version just came in this morning when our Kickstarter launched this morning. Right. Today, right. free comic day. It's beautiful. It's a wraparound cover. Wow. Again, this is a guy from the 80s Mirage Studios that's coming in, that came in, loved the idea, loved the premise, loved the whole giving back to the fans. Sure. And he's on board for that. Maybe more. That's exciting. He, he might be more, you know, kind of crossing our fingers. But this, I mean, that's enough for us for right now. Sure. That's one perk. And we have many different other perks. I mean, we have print packages. Right. We have T-shirts only for a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. We have original art. We have actual bundles for people who want to be in the book. Wow. So we can make you a zombie. We'll kill you off. Nice. <laughs> we'll get like a rabid splinter to kill you or something. Like Very that. cool. If you want to be part of it. Oh, there you go. There you go. We can have you. Uh, what is this? Panda. Panda Mega Man. Yeah. We can have zombie versions of you guys. All you guys. <laughs> we'll have somebody feast on you guys. Or there it is. So there's a package for that. It's Very limited. Cool. You could actually get original art pages from the teaser book. Wow. So it sounds like there's a lot of cool stuff on the Kickstarter. Oh, yeah. So you guys go check out the Kickstarter. Go to Kickstarter.com and search for Zombies in a Half Show. All right. Def- definitely. Noel, thank you so much for talking with us today, hey, man. No problem. No problem. Absolutely. Have awesome. a good day, man. You too.
Well, that was really, really cool. I am so excited about that. I definitely think that we should get a copy of that for the Geek Life Studio just to put on our indie comic wall. You need to read it. I mean, it's so very limited. Only 300, like, period. So the first 300 people, there's only, I think, 30-something backers at this time, but they've already hit their goal, which is really modest. It was 1,500. Mm Mm-hmm. But they've already got 30-something backers, and so there's still a substantial amount of books available. I'm not really sure what all the trim levels are. You can go to Kickstarter and search for Zombies in a Half Shell, and you should be able to find all the information there. And we'll put a link, of course, in the show notes. But I seriously want to be killed by Splinter. Right? I wonder how much the actual level is. I haven't... Like, I seriously can't believe he said, um, I asked him if he was going to do like a PDF version or digital version after they run out of print copies. And he's like, nope, 300, that's it. And I'm like, I think that that's part of the allure of doing. (laughs) It's interesting because a lot of the time on Kickstarter, you get basically the same thing that you would get if you were to purchase the product after they finished it, you know, on Mm -hmm. Kickstarter. Maybe you get like a more prototype version. Maybe you get an ebook. But I actually kind of think it's pretty rad with that they're doing something that you can only get through the Kickstarter period because that's I mean I know it's it's like you said the scarcity model is part of me is like that's really lame but then part of me is like that's actually pretty brilliant it's cool if we get a copy it's lame if we don't exactly (laughs) but it's 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 all it's a layer of extra motivation because when the Ouya came along I thought to myself that's gonna get funded no problem I'll just buy one when it comes out maybe wait for another version or two I'm no there's nothing that I'm missing out on by not jumping into the Kickstarter. I mean, by the time I found out about it, they had already hit it and they were deep into their stretch goals. So it's like, why am I going to spend money on something that I can just wait for it to be out polished and finished? You know what I mean? Right. And that's usually what I do for a lot of those things. Right. You see it and it's like, oh, that's awesome, but it's already funded. I'll just wait for it to come out. Yeah. But then something like this, it's like, if you wait for it to come out, too bad, so sad, you missed out. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. All right. So, So idea for a reality show. It's called There Can Be Only One, and you get a bunch of nerds with all this rare, one-of-a-kind stuff. (laughs) All right, so dude with one of the 15 posters from this one show or whatever, all the dudes, they get everybody that has one of those posters, and they all compete like survival style. And then the one that wins is the only one that gets an actual copy. Every the other ones are destroyed. There can be only one. I would laugh myself into a coma. <laughs> you know, that's oh, man. just just being like you know a former collector of things because nerd. Uh, that's just irritating to watch, or that's irritating. Like that, the premise is irritating. I feel like my blood boiling. Like no, just, I know, I, I know, and, and that's what I that's what I want because because the admin is something of a collector. Merch of, queen. Of, she's a merch queen. She, she's a merch queen. So she's a collector of fine accessories and it's not that i want those things to be destroyed i don't i swear uh it's just that sometimes they 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 tend to infest other areas of the house and you know it would be nice if there was only one all right i'm done (laughs) that shows almost like taking an endangered animal and killing it live on tv i know right also hilarious do you guys do you guys speaking of which do you guys remember when or I guess I guess the most it was a while ago at this point, but whenever a new system comes out, there's always some asshole who go like video game console. There's always some <laughs> asshole who waits in line, gets it, and smashes it in front of everybody else waiting for it. Yeah. You remember those videos? Yes. Yeah. I, I saw. I just want to punch that guy in the. <laughs> Snape kills Dumbledore. It's so not cool. <laughs> no, 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 those I swear, I'll bet, I'll bet if like, somebody just, just kicked him in the nuts, oh, they, that, like above your head, would say, achievement get. Yeah, yeah. But, but on one hand, I got to think, the kind of person who would do that, you know, who's going to spend the money and spend the time just to break that, is, is sort of like, he kind of wins if you kick him in the nuts. Cause he, He's that's probably like, wearing a cup. It's a tro- like, that's the kind of Look, guy he is. He's like a professional troll. My troll heart would be like, yes, winner is him, not you. <laughs> Ow, my nuts, you know? <laughs> We're going to go ahead and take a musical break. When we get back, we're going to get into our Indie Spotlight of the Week. You're listening to Geek Life. Stick with us.
And welcome back to Geek Life. We're going to spotlight Ninja and Pirate by Joe Flanders. So this is a fun little webcomic that I found. Surprise, surprise, on Twitter. Yay! Shocker! Shocker. Wow. Get closer to your mic, you big weirdo. Oh, uh, yeah. Eat yeah, it. Yeah. Eat the orange wiener. <laughs> that's that's the site with a bird, right? Yes, that's the site with the birds. Chicken. Shit. You big ADN geek. <laughs> so Ninja and Pirate is a hilarious little comic by Joe Flanders. Flanders! Sorry. <laughs> and... <laughs> Uh, and it's it's actually really, really funny. It's surprisingly about a ninja and a pirate who live together. And I think that the ninja is dating a Valkyrie oh, whose brother is a Viking, which I guess all that makes lots of sense. But and is also related to the pirate. Is also re- oh, is she? I believe uh, so, yeah. I don't think she's so. a distant... I think it says so in the cast. Well, technically Vikings are pirates, so Well, we'll get there. We'll, re- we'll read all of the goodies huh. on the site. So, about the author... Joe Flanders is a rare species of mammal often seen in Toulouse, Oklahoma. The creature often spends its time indoors, shying from the sunlight so much that there is much debate over whether or not the species is actually nocturnal. The daily routine of Joe Flanders usually amounts to traveling several miles to sit stationary at a cube-shaped hovel for eight hours before traversing back to its den, where it has been recorded drawing, penciling, inking, reading comics, playing video games, or socializing with its mate, few outsiders, and certain members of the canine breed. The most common sightings paint the creature at five and a half feet, about 23 years of age or so, with blue eyes, patches of brown hair on its head, then this is in parentheses, accounts of a mane around the facial area have been reported, mm-hmm. and well, sporting a rather rotund feature. <laughs> what feature is rotund? Yeah, I thought, I wonder if that means, if we meant to say figure. It's yeah. borderline obscene. Yes. <laughs> well, it seems f- somewhat well, appropriate. That's only because your mind goes into the gutter right away, apparently. I got a couch in the gutter, all right? Yeah, you Fair live enough. there. All right. <laughs> is seen If seen in your area of living, you may approach the Joe Flanders as it is amiable and friendly, but do not. This is direly important. Do not feed the Joe Flanders because this may create a dependency. <laughs> nice. I would say that the only, the only about the author that we've seen so far that comes close to this hilarity is... The Lunar Baboon one? Mm-hmm. Lunar Baboon, yes. <laughs> uh, so good, so good. Both animal related. Hmm. Mm-hmm. There are, so on the cast page at ninjaandpirate.com, there is rather lengthy information about each of the characters. Mm-hmm. I won't go into all of the little details, but suffice it to say, there is a ninja living with a pirate who is dating Val, the Valkyrie, who is related to Vic, the Viking, and the ninja and pirate live with pirates, pet short-eared owl, Doctor Who. Ah. Oh. Yeah. Well, okay, but the the best part is, is that the reason why Doctor Who is named Doctor Who is not because he's an owl, but because he found him in London in a police box. Oh. That's the story. <laughs> yeah. Which I guess is the only legitimate way for anything to be named Doctor Who that is an owl. Fair enough. Yes. Because, you know, when he first said that, I thought to myself, oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> but then, like, in that very same comic where he introduced him, or right around was- there, he says... Doctor Who, huh? He goes, yeah, yeah. I felt it was appropriate. Found him in a in London in, in a police box. How'd like, you, oh, all right. How'd you get him through customs? <laughs> I know. Of course, this is where my mind goes, and I'm thinking, well, Justin these Bieber are cartoon and his characters. Freaking hijinks or whatever. In Germany, was it? Why do you have? A, I thought anyway. it was Switzerland. I don't know. Somewhere in Europe. Anyway, well, I hope one of the does. things that is an ongoing theme throughout the comic is basically hiding Doctor Who, because they live in a place that doesn't allow uh, pets. Yeah, the landlord doesn't <laughs> want there to be any pets there, so that's kind of how they first meet, is that Pirate, 
or no, wait, that pirate has this pet, Doctor Who, who's he's trying to hide from the crazy landlord who doesn't allow any pets in the building, and he happens to run into Ninja, and Ninja, I guess, gets roped into helping him hide Doctor Who. Hiding mastery. Seems yes, legit. It makes, yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. So this comic is is pretty funny. I know some of us here thought it was better, and some of us here didn't really resonate with, but I was raffling. <laughs> I was even rafflecoptering a little bit. Nice. Wow, you pulled out the full-on rafflecopter. Yeah, right? you got you to kind of push everything aside and make space in your living room to really rafflecopter. It takes some preparation, but it's freaking worth it. I heard it causes a windstorm. Yes, this mm. is possible. Mm-hmm. Also, mm. rug burn. Wow, that's impressive. Mm. Do you know what rafflecoptering would be? Do you know I, how to copter on the floor? Well, you I, lay on your side and then run with your feet. And you're laughing so, and you laugh and you run. That's how it works. I thought so maybe you spin you in, run a in a circle. Well, I thought maybe you would just like have your arms out and start twirling or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> so that's like raffle mm. sound of music. Raffle. Mac- <laughs> well, what is your propeller, sir? It's my whole body. It's spinning. Your whole on the floor. body is a propeller. That's right. Disembodied raffle protect. What? Never wow. Mind. Wow. All right. Anyway. <laughs> Meanwhile, so that back happened at the because point. of this comic. Yes. We're yes. not going to the point this year. Martha has warts. <laughs> oh wow. It's really horrible. All right. It's an ancient reference, and, and the admin will be mad that I said it. But every time that we come back to the point, I, I fight the urge to say it. And now that she's not here to rein me in, I feel like I could just go free. And sometimes I wonder what it would be like to have Neuro here without Pinku. Because there's a lot of her being like, no, back it up, cut that out. He'd be on his phone. <laughs> and he's got this shit-eating grin, and his eyes are sparkling. I'll tell you right now, he'd be on his phone. <laughs> <laughs> well, so when reading through this... One thing that's that to me is that there's a lot of really great exclamations. What do I mean? I mean, things to say when you're surprised or afraid <laughs> or whatever. And I took the liberty of writing them down. <laughs> <laughs> the top four, in no particular order, just because they're all hilarious. The top four exclamations from this comic are, Oh, poop deck! Guess who said that? The ninja. Pirate. Pirate. All right. Also from Pirate. Well, slap me with a sea cucumber. I don't know why it comes out in this southern accent, but that just sounds right to me. I don't know what that's about. All right. Then, you don't have your Cornwallish accent down? I really I really don't. Oh, sorry. That's a shame. I know. Anyway, then the... Let's see. And then another one from... Pi- Pirates got a lot of really good exclamations. Another one. Bleeding barnacles. That's a good one. That I'm pretty horrifying. sure I need to use that at some point. You do. Because, because I think anybody around me is going to give me this awful look like bleeding barnacles. Good God. Well, barnacles <laughs> are horrifying if you have them at all. Yeah, nobody should have barnacles on their body. <laughs> and that's, if they're bleeding, so, so, that's just worse. Has anybody actually come into contact with barnacles? That shit is really sharp. They're yeah. terrible. It cut the holy shit out of my hand one time. It was bad. It was all kinds of bad. I've never cut myself. I didn't know. Yeah, well. I was, I was like under a pier, so trying to sneak under a oh. pier, and then the waves came in and smashed me into one of the... Yeah, and I put my hand out, and it was like, barnacles are crap, and then boom, and I had like all these little circle-shaped holes in my hand. It was terrible. I hate all of your houses! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then the, the one and only really hilarious exclamation from Ninja is, Thank Hattori Hanzo! <laughs> now, for those of you that aren't familiar with who Hattori Hanzo is, let's, let's let the 8th Henry fill you in. Alright, so Hattori Hanzo is a fake ninja... Brown the era of like mid fifteen to early sixteen hundreds supposedly assisted the rising shogunate to his position of power. Anyway, he's referenced in a, a handful of series back in good old Japan when they're doing their historical samurai fictions, and then in subsequent generations of that character's progeny, they are all named Hattori Hanzo, and that's why he's named Hattori Hanzo in Kill Bill is because he is from that descendants of the of the greatest ninja Hattori Hanzo the first. 
you know, and he just moved further and further away from the assassin gig and, wound up, you know, went off towards making swords, making evidently. Swords. All right, cool. Anyway, seems legit. He's Chapman often Steve. played by, what's that one guy with the crazy awesome Sun- eyebrows? Sonny Chiba, who Sonny has Chiba. the greatest eyebrows ever. Makes him a good leading character. Yeah. Have you have you guys have ever seen Furikuri? No. There's, there's Furikuri a character. Furikuri or Haraki? No, there's a character that had, like, actual oh, those, cut out oh, pieces. Oh, Maga guy, yeah. Cut, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah they're fake, they fake eyebrows. Yeah, yeah. Look dynamic. I yes. thought it was, like, Nori or something like that. They, they were Nori strips. They were Nori, okay. Yeah. Yes. Freaking eyebrows. construction paper eyebrows. The best. <laughs> Moving on to the story. Essentially, it seems like, because some of the earlier strips are under the assumption that they're already living together, and then... After a couple of those strips, the story really starts, and there's like a there's a cover page, mm. and then it goes in and it, it creates this story about Ninja getting out of Ninja College apparently, and his Ninja parents giving him this big fat bill for all of the raising for him. You know, like you cost this much in food, this much in housing, na, 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 you know, and then they like they're driving off in their Ninja mobile, and they're like no give backsies, and they just drive away, and so then he's like <laughs> in debt up to his Ninja face. And sitting on the sidewalk being like, I need to find somewhere to live. And so sure enough, everything continually is going wrong for Ninja. It's kind of like a theme in this, is that he's perpetually having problems. I think at one point, his ice cream explodes into flames just because. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, that's par for the course. We can all relate to that. Yes. We've all had days where it's just like, I'll bet bet that that's what's going to happen. And then kaboom. And then it does. Combustible ice cream. Yes. And you're like, that was the last of my money. Gasoline was my favorite flavor. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's really funny because it's great to have all these icons, essentially. You know, you've got all these different, well, they're icons. You've got a pirate, a ninja, a Valkyrie, a superintendent who's a (laughs) douchebag. Icon. I guess that's an icon of some kind. But, you know, and and then you're Viking. Like, you've got all these guys that are sort of the embodiment of these icons in pop culture and history and they do all these funny things with them like having these great exclamations and things like that and putting the pirate and the ninja living together it creates a bunch of really funny situations because a pirate while swashbuckling and skillful is a pirate and ninjas supposedly have like practically supernatural abilities so ninja's constantly doing this stuff and the pirate's just like son of a bitch how did that what okay fine you just Break my reality. That's all right. It totally changed my understanding of physics. Okay, here we go. It's the perfect balance of Ian and Yar. <laughs> That's wow. It was stolen from a T-shirt. All all credit goes to the T-shirt, but I forget where it's from. <laughs> so, what do you guys think of Ninja and Pirate? I laughed. Yeah. You yeah. enjoyed it? I I, I laughed. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was really really. It was a little charming, and and the first strip uh, visually looked a little rough, but afterwards they got that sort of modular sprite looking character. Well, down. you know, if you if you read the blog post because he actually takes time to write a blog post for each mm-hmm. update, there is a little explanation about that being like the first. Like I said, there's a couple strips, and then there's like a cover page, and it really starts. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, he had found some old strips, and he was going to put them up. So it was like apparently way before he actually was right. Co- like so actually like, making the comic. So it was like it's like old, a first draft, right? Right. Yeah. It's like stuff from his sketchbook from years ago, probably. Yeah, but still, you know, it was interesting. Though. It still looked pretty on par with the other stuff, or almost on par with the other stuff, even though it was. A yeah, first the draft. character design was yeah. there. It just needed it needed yeah, needed it some polish, which it got. Yeah. It, yeah. So it, it it's kind of cool in the fact that it, I mean I don't know that they're exactly sprites or anything, but you know they're so sprite like that it's it's easy to read the characters really quickly and instantly yeah you know that was one thing that i was initially a little conflicted about because Mm -hmm. a couple of the strips you see sort of in the middle of the of the releases it's almost as if he is drawing 
maybe an illustrator with all vector stuff and he's using shape tools for most everything. Yeah, I think and, so. But the funny thing is, is that there's a lot of strips, actually the more recent strips, where they're very clearly hand-drawn. Oh, really? Where there's that natural charm and inconsistency in the circles and mm-hmm. stuff like that, which I prefer. We actually, a while back on Artistic Monk, when Admin and I were talking about, okay, how do we want to have the look of this really be? Because I could use a shape tool, because all the characters or heads are circles. Yeah. You know, and so there's opportunity for it to just be a perfect circle and just use a shape tool or something. And we talked about it, and I did a couple different versions of it, and we both agreed that we liked the sort of natural, uneven charm of mm-hmm. a trying-to-draw-a-circle-with-your-hand thing. Yeah. You can get clean-ish, but it allows for just that subtle, that little well, something. If it's too perfect, sometimes I think it's a little rough on the eyes. Yeah. Uh, like, a lot of people really like the super clean uh, vector line where there are no flaws or anything like that. But to me, it just doesn't look hand-drawn, and it doesn't really change the forms enough. So I kind of feel like you need the hand, like the little bit of imperfection from something being hand-drawn in order to pull it back into the world. What's that really anime-like style? Like, is it like Tokidoki, I want to say, where it's all, like, totally <sighs> vectors, Yeah, there's a, couple of, there's a couple of those, and yeah, some and of them are... I've always found that stuff like, borderline offensive, just yeah. because it's like, man, you don't have to draw at all, you just have to have a good idea, and that's it. And it's like, I mean, I, I understand wait, that it... Wait, where can I get this? <laughs> you know nah, what? he's it, having pro- artist I, problems, right? I have right? artist problems. Oh, yeah. And, and you know what? Nothing would put them in their place. No offense to the artist's presence. <laughs> don't worry uh, about it. Like like me being able to just you have artist problems as in you have problems with the artists that are working on your comics. He's got a scarcity problem. That's because, what you mean because by that. there's there's they they are like uh, quail or possi- this will be good delicious po- quail uh, or possibly deer or some other skittish creature food. Uh, no, they they are all flavorful creatures, but uh, <laughs> besides the point, that- are you hungry, Pinku? <laughs> Is that what's happening right now? Animals are food. <laughs> Animals and in some cases, people are food. Long uh, pig, long pig, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you are what you eat. If you're if you're a real person, you, you know you've dabbled. Uh, anyway, wow. All right, moving on. That got dark in a hurry. <laughs> it's what I do. Anyway, uh, the it's, it's artists are skittish. No, no offense uh, to the artist presence, but no. yeah, I, uh, I get you. I found them to be very skittish, and I've approached them a different a number of ways, and they go like, "Yeah, we're on board," and I'm like, "Okay, here's what to do," and then they either draw something and then back out or they just didn't disappear it's like like oh. you know they hear a sound suddenly and their ears prick up and then just bounce off the way it's like oh i thought that was gonna be i something. can actually give you some insight into that the thing about Don't artists me. is that they're creative people and creative people have this sort of innate problem with getting really excited about projects and overcommitting to too many damn things and so, essentially, until you've had enough experience and had shit blow up in your face a couple times and learned that as exciting and vindicating as it is to get a lot of people wanting you to work with them, you need to choose your projects carefully. You need to undercommit and overdeliver. I know that sounds like some cheesy line, but no, that, is, that is no. words that's, to live that's by, how that works, guys. Man. Words to live by. You want, you know, if like I was just talking, like I said in the in the housekeeping, I was talking with John Boudin. I think, as I said, his last name. I can't. Is it Boudin or Boudin? Like, is he actually B-O-U-D-I-N, French? B o u d i n. I think. Because like, if he's French, it's Boudin. But I, I, if would, he's American, I would say yeah. it be Odin. Anyway, so cool. I was talking Here to John. Here at Geek Life, we love butchering last names. Butcher, the butcher <sighs> segment. Anyway, so I was talking to John, and as he's just barely starting, just barely starting, and I said, I want you to start thinking about release frequency and the kind of pace that you can keep up. I said, you want to undercommit and overdeliver. For example, if you can comfortably make one and a half to two comics each week, I want you to commit to one. That's mm-hmm. what you want to do. 
because then if life gets in the way, if there's trouble or whatever, you know what I mean? And so, yeah. but that, that Henry, that's why is that, is that artistic people, especially people that are just starting out that haven't, like I said, committed to too much and had to blow up on their face enough times and, and actually pushed through and figured out, okay, I need to not commit to so much and do a good job with what I'm doing instead of a shitty job with nothing and get nothing done. That's what's happening. Well, yeah, and a lot of creative types are very independent and self-taught in some ways. So yeah. getting them to work with others can be like herding cats. You know, yeah. it's just not easily done. He does this. Yeah, he he knows what it's like because he's often You're doing the cat this. herder. He is a cat herder. He's a professional cat herder. But That's true. You really are, aren't you? Uh, yeah. But I also, um, <laughs> like, one of the frequent criticisms you hear from, say, like, painting teachers and that sort of thing is the fact that sometimes their students never finish because actually finishing a project is a, is a learned skill sometimes. Yeah. So. It really is. It, Start, I like that saying where... Starting a project for, for me is usually where they have the problem. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's it's the, it's to the point where I, okay, I send out the... We, we get the introductions. We have, we have a safe middle person that we both know and mutually trust. So it's like it's like being, being introduced to a, a shelter animal that's been beaten all its life. <laughs> you know? It's like no, no, he's good. He's very, good. very colorful description. Yeah, and these are these it's are the, true. these are the things that happen in my head when I interact with people and th certain things go wrong. And I'm like, okay, well maybe there was this problem, but they never ever like go. I'm sorry, I can't I can't deal with you because of this. Any excuse would have worked. I'm very forgiving. But they just kind of like go, well, I'll just, uh, I'm embarrassed I f***ed up on this, so I'm just not going to ever talk to this person no, again. It's, it's unfortunately how it goes. Yeah. So let's but get anyway, back to back the to comic. The yes. So, back, way back at the point. Way <laughs> back at the point. Way back. Yeah. So, continuing talking about the art style, I originally, like I said, thought that it was just sort of sprite sort of thing, repositioned and turned and stuff. Right. But that's not what, what is going on. That Joe actually does do a lot of hand-drawn stuff. Mm -hmm. And that, I would say, is really cool that he's heading in the direction of doing more hand-drawn stuff instead of less. Uh, but at the same time, it's kind of like he needs to pick a style. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, okay. Because the characters look like the characters. They're recognizable. You can tell it's the same person that yeah. is drawing them. But at the end of the day, it feels like there's too many different styles with which he's published the comics. Oh, okay. That's one of the... That's like probably my... Honestly, my only real criticism. Constructive criticism, but it's my only real criticism mm -hmm. is that it feels like one time it's something that's scanned in that's done with micron pens or something like that. And then another time it's something that is clearly done on the computer. That's all super, super sharp and clean. There's absolutely no trace. So it causes a disconnect then when yeah, you're trying exactly. to. So I mean, because you know, of course there's tons of web comics where the style changes over time and you know, the beginning comic doesn't look like the end comic. Right. I but think. you need to still use the you same tools that. to create it and publish it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think that that's a really big thing. If you're going to draw something and scan it in, and then, you know, as, use that as your sketch and then yeah. ink over it in some program or whatever. It's like, use the same program, use the same look, use the same brushes or, or choose brushes, but move forward, you know, or, not or, or just usually, bounce around. Yeah. Or usually there's like a marked change when something happens, like suddenly they quit yeah. using a scan or something like that. Right. You I really tell, think and that then it stays that way, right? Exactly. I, I just, I, I would like to see more consistency in the, I guess, the production side of things. Oh, okay. You know, because the humor is spot on over and over again, laughing right out loud. You guys heard me in my room just cracking yeah. up. It's very, very funny. <laughs> but, you know, artistically, I think it's also really, really spot on. I just mm -hmm. wish that there was more consistency in, like I said, in the production. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, I, I guess he's probably still deciding what he wants to do. Yeah, well, and it's only been going on for maybe two years, something like that. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. you know, still time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you can, I sat down and within about a half hour, I could just, I read through the whole thing. Okay. And I really highly recommend it. It's a bunch of fun. I, I, there was a couple comics that I was really cracking up about that really resonated with me. One of them has Ninja and Pirate trying to cook something. <laughs> 
And I've done, see, the thing is, is that I've spent many years living with friends. Several people in the room right now I've actually lived with. <laughs> and so we, we know what this is like. Anyway, so they have lasagna and garlic bread, and they're like, put it in for 20 minutes at 345. More like five minutes at 800. Nice. <laughs> I'm going to throw the bread in the microwave. Wrap it in tinfoil. Better no. conducts heat so it's, it'll stay warm. Smart no, thinking. No and then the next scene, they're just on fire. <laughs> yeah. And then finally, <laughs> like they're sitting on the couch eating cereal. There's the kitchen, the doorway to the kitchen in the background that's just covered in char. <laughs> and Ninja's got like a, a problem with his eye because it got hit by a knob from something that just exploded off of there. <laughs> you know. And, and he's all, dude, cereal rules <laughs> it's like i totally understand what that's like because left to my own devices or left to many of our own devices bachelor wise man we just eat the easiest to make stuff it's like the shortest a period of time between the thought going through your head of i want to eat something and me eating it that's what i want to eat <laughs> i don't want to spend time cooking something that's for the birds man i want to eat and i want to eat now yeah i'm familiar with that watching uh certain guys with beards who i know who owned the Beardatorium? Beardatorium, was it? I thought he was the Beardatorium. That's what oh, this were. is the Beardatorium. Yeah, so that's like your thing, not mine. Oh, really? I'm oh. by this, like, oh. my Beardatorium. <laughs> well. Yeah, I remember uh, my brother, who actually is quite the chef, when his wife and kids are out of town, he'll, like, put a picture up on Twitter or Facebook. It's like, yep. The wife and kids are gone, so it's back to bachelor style. And there's a picture of like the like, coffee table with a pizza box and a pack of beer. Nice. And it's like, yep, <laughs> that's about right. Because effort is overrated. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Didn't I make Yeah, there was another sandwich. comment. <laughs> burrito sandwich. He microwaved some burritos and put them between bread, and then there was a Coke involved, I think. I think that I beat you all. When I was camping. Okay, oh, no. When I was camping, yeah, it's, it starts that way. Okay, there was. Wonder Bread oh. and Goober, which is the yes. half. Yeah. Goober yeah. grape stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And some Spam. Oh, the, no. Because I was really young and I thought to myself, well, what you need is you need carbohydrates and protein. And I didn't really realize that peanut butter had protein. So I'm thinking to myself, man, this needs some meat. <laughs> so, and not, we're talking, this is camping, so it, it didn't get cooked. No, that was raw ham. Oh. Of awful. Oh no, spam spam's cooked product. Spam's, just, yeah, yeah but it was cut. it was cold. It, See, cold I'm I'm a firm believer of good, though, right? we just keep getting off topic. Yes, yeah. we're hungry. Nice. Welcome to the tangents at digressions. We keep episode. talking about food. I know it's it's not fair. Yeah, there was another um, comic strip in that that really resonated with me, where they're driving and. Ninja sees a comic book store. He's like, ah, it's a comic book store. Can oh we go? my Can god! We go? That whole go? arc of like the four or five comics that follow that. Yeah. it's like some of the funniest things that he's done. <laughs> yeah, and pirates just like comic book store. <laughs> oh yeah, you're, you're such, such a, a you're nerd. such a nerd. And he's like, you're the one with an owl named Doctor Who. And then the next panel is the two of them standing in the comic book store, and Ninja is greedily looking through the comic stacks, and <laughs> and pirates just standing there, just looking really frustrated. <laughs> No, that that one was really freaking good. It's pretty funny. The only thing I can say about the comic is they're so rotund. This, all the characters, they're they're so round. Out of shape, then? No, not even out of shape because round is a shape. I mean, like, out of a certain shape. Like, like it's. So you it, found it a little distracting that they're just balls. I I did have a hard time getting coming to grips with the characters. I find it easier just to ignore what the characters are doing and read what they're saying. Oh, that's interesting. But but that's just me. You know, like their, their their spherical natures were distracting. Well, it's it's like super super stylized. Yes, you know, yeah. heavily stylized. Super yeah. deformed. 
Well, no, not really. Well, they're very small. They're probably, probably like two heads tall. I get and two, two heads, heads tall. Two heads. Two heads. I'm tired. Are you? I'm exhausted. Are you rare, rare. Always. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and wrap up on Ninja and Pirate. You can check out Ninja and Pirate at ninjaandpirate.com. You can follow Joe on Twitter at Ninja and Pirate and on Reddit at Ninja and Pirate Comic. This is a really a very, very fun comic. It definitely deserves your attention. It's hilarious and just is really, really good. It's one of those gems you come across. We see a lot of web comics and some of them are all right. Some of them are hilarious. This is this is in the hilarious camp, <laughs> solidly. So check check it out for sure. Well, we, we talked about that for a really long time, so why don't we go ahead and take one more musical break, and we'll get into our final segment of Zombies. We're going to talk about Undead Morals. What is that? You'll have to wait. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Geek Live. We're getting into our zombie survival segment of this podcast. This time we are talking about undead ethics. We said morals earlier, but I meant ethics because it sounds better. Mm. So there that is. Okay, so the idea with this is basically what would you do when... And insert random situation where ethics are involved. So I think that we can all collectively agree that some of the best zombie drama comes from... The situation that the people get put in, not so much the actual fighting of the zombies. Although that's obviously very entertaining and action-packed, I think that something that we can really take away from the success of Robert Kirkman's Walking Dead, as some people like to say, talking people and some zombies. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. Yeah. There's a lot of human drama to be had. I think it's rich literary territory to dip into what would happen in such a stress situation. It actually reminds me a lot of my very favorite kind of horror film, which is called Desert Island Horror, where essentially you get a small group of people and you squeeze them into a dangerous situation in a small, confined space. So a good example of that would be quarantine films. Another good example of that would be Identity, which is a really great movie. Mm. You know, So that sort of stuff where it's like people are stuck in a small place, it's the small cast, and there's somebody killing people and they've got to figure out or some kind of terrible thing happening and they've got to figure out what to do and people are turning on each other and you know screw you guys i'm running off you know and so it's it's like yeah exactly yeah Yeah. so it's it's uh i think it's really neat to be able to investigate what happens with people in those sort of pressured situations so with that in mind we're going to go ahead and talk about that so henry why don't you go first with yours all right, so first I'll, I'll discuss assessing the mentality and morale of your fellow and potential group members. So the question is, how do you assess? It's not so much how. It's just a good guideline, understanding the way people work. People act certain ways under stress. And you can sort of tell who is... Like, you ever notice how, like, 
some people who have like, let's say a, a charmed life, everything goes well for them. They don't have any small disappointments in their life. And then suddenly they can't make the breakfast hours at McDonald's and they're like, I'm going to go to the building and shoot everybody. And you know, it's like, okay, well, they clearly went too far with that one. And they, they reached a breaking point a bit too early. Right. You can tell when people are going to crack. All it takes is a little bit of human understanding, a little empathy, and a lot of just kind of just intuition. So you're saying that perhaps you would want to engineer a situation where somebody might crack or no, you just, just observe them? Observe them and best to observe them in a natural environment where, you, where they don't know they're being observed. Ah, yes. Because, uh, I forget who actually said it, but it, it has been said that the person you are when you are not around other people is the person that you are. Yeah. So I'd like everybody to weigh in on each of these if you guys have something you'd like to say. So something that I would say is that people are more likely to reveal their true intentions and deeper thought processes with little things. You know, if it's, am I going to leave this person behind or not and everybody's watching, well, obviously, if they want to stay part of the group and, and not screw themselves out of help, then they're going to help that person. But who gets the bigger piece of pizza or the, you know, we break a candy bar in half and they take the large part for themselves on purpose. You know, it's like those little things that I think greedy, shitty people tend to let slip that it's, it's very telling. They don't know that they're being watched in essence. Exactly. Exactly. So it's an extension of that same idea, Henry, is that I would advocate watching the little things, watch them interact with other people on simple little things that, that aren't big enough to cause an uproar and a serious question of whether or not they should be part of your survival group, that's where people are going to let things slip. That's exactly it, though. It is a is a very slick and simple way to find kind of a window into someone being candid. Well, yeah, it, it, you're right in that small gestures do tell larger stories. Yeah. But it's not all in the terms of greed. It's, human survival is based on what we consider greed. Um, you know, unfortunately, it's like you, you instinctively seek to take things that you need to survive. It's when it becomes you don't need it and you want it that it becomes a problem. Sure. Um, but, you know, definitely watch for those signs because ob obviously some people are opportunistic uh, and petty and vindictive, etc. But more, you want to you want to look for, the, the, the army calls it the will to survive. Mm. And you can tell when that starts to break down, when they have subtle, like, let's say, depressive mood swings. Or so you're saying that you want people that have a strong will to survive in your group. You want them to have a strong will to survive, but a strong will of character, not a strong dependency upon, let's say, rash decisions okay. for survival. We don't want them to be, let's call it knee-jerk survivalism, uh, where they, oh no, the zombies are attacking. Now I must, A, leave everyone behind, B, you know... To actually take my place Fear-based survival. Yes. We don't want them to, to, to be pushed into the corner survival. We want them to be proactive survival sure. where they're, they're thinking, for, for myself to survive, I need to protect the group. And that's you know, like tribal so, survival. So you want those people who will think ahead and have their like stress drops for their little bowl of fishes so that when you're ready to move, they, you don't have to worry about them stressing out and dying. <laughs> Precisely. <Son of> bitch. <laughs> or, or we could just eat the fish. No, no, probably not. They're bony and small. Yes. This is, this is referring to something from a while back. We were talking about the very worst possible pets in a zombie apocalypse. And we goldfish. decided to fish goldfish because they're skittish and you can't move them without them freaking out unless you give them this, like, sleepy medicine shit. It's, <laughs> it's just an awful idea. All right, well, we've got a couple other situations. Or did anybody else want to weigh in on this one? How to 
kind of get a window into who you should and shouldn't trust? No, I think the subtleties is a great way. There's a lot in tone and body language. You can just by observing a person, just hearing them talk and, you know, watch them to a certain extent. But as soon as you have a clue or inkling of who they are, I would say try to act on it, too. The longer they're with you, the more they're going to slow you down. That's true. And the longer they're with you, the more you or some people in your group might become endeared to them. You know, and if you That's have to true. make a hard choice, oh, yeah, it's better that. to make a make an observation, go with your gut feeling, and make that choice now. So that's that's a good point, Nero. I like that is to act on it quickly. Yes, there are there are many instances where let's say more violently tended people, not all violently tended people, but because that would exclude you, that would exclude me completely. <laughs> but there are people who will make small or seemingly small gestures to let's say test your limits, and once they realize they can they can get away with something small they will make, let's call them snatching gestures, uh, where they will seek to overwhelm you or possibly just kill you. Um, yeah, it's, it's all the drawing the more and more, and then mm-hmm. to make you look bad, frankly. Yeah, yeah well, so. they're, they're playing the, you know, where is your line in the sand game. Correct. And it's, it's important to firmly draw your line in the sand wherever you are. If you're at the bottom or the top of the pecking order, doesn't really matter. Draw your line, be resolved, and always guard yourself. Keep a running checklist of your fellow survivalists of where they're at in their own head. You know, I mean, there's a lot of instances in in Kirkland's uh, stories where you can see someone starting to to decline in terms of their will to survive. You know, they're starting to have emotional breakdowns, like when, uh, God, I can't remember her name because she died. Uh, But (laughs) so many of them. The lady who suggested to Lori that she could be a third partner, and basically all she wanted was some love, but she kind of went crazy with it, and Lori rejected that because... It sounds like it's from the comics, not from the show. It is from the comics, not the show. Okay. Uh, The true, the true canon. The true canon, yes. Well, it has a lot more actual drama, but it's like, so... She went and did something crazy after she was rejected, but because she even went so far as to suggest it, you already have a window. That that was the Mm -hmm. red flag. There were subtler signs, but that was the red flag that, hey, you know, you guys should address this. Maybe, maybe don't put her down so hard. Obviously don't have to accept, but you know, there, there is something happening and ta-da. Yes. All right. Moving on to the next subject. And this is a classic. What do you do when someone in your group gets bitten? So thoughts? Thoughts kill them now. That's I'm sorry. Yeah. Anybody else? <laughs> well, it all depends. Well, one way or the other, they're dead. Yeah. So it all depends on what the situation is. So first of all, let's say that a bite takes two hours, we'll say, before you turn into a zombie. A lot can be done in two hours. Yeah. See, that, that's the first time thing that popped into my head when we were thinking about these is that it all depends on the nature of the virus. You know, there are viruses mm-hmm. that... Like, again, beating a dead horse. Yeah. But talking about Kirkman's Walking Dead, they take some time. You know, you, you get sick, you get weak, and then you eventually pass away from a fever, really. It's from a bite, anyway. I mean, everybody, when they die, they come back. Spoilers, and if you didn't know that, oh, well, too bad. But, That's why they call it The Walking Dead. Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, is that with, the, with Kirkman's Walking Dead, there's a pretty substantial arc of time where they can still be useful, and it's very clear and relatively slow someone's decline. I mean, to the point where they're not going to be able to operate and move around very well when they're getting close to passing away, you know, unless it's from actual wounds. But we're talking about a bite, you get infected, you get sick, you die, then you come back sort of situation. In Kirkman canon, it's less about the bite itself and more about the fact that they died that actually makes them a zombie. With that being said, you have the time it takes from the die of the zombie bite to you know to make use of them. Of course, a heart attack, it's instantaneous, or any other instantaneous attack that doesn't decapitate them or destroy the brain, etc. 
Yeah, you have you have perfectly good grounds to actually try and make use of the person, say a last tearful goodbye. So, so the eighth Henry would suggest it sounds like, ladies and gentlemen, that you would say make use of them as best you can. See, there are knowns, there are unknowns, and there are unknown unknowns. And these facts, yeah, see, things that you don't know that you don't know. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. Okay. So, (laughs) with that said, once you discover exactly the parameters of the contagion, or whatever the the issue is with the zombie, uh, what what zombie story you're in, you then can make more executive decisions. But aside from that, at the point where you don't know, it's, oh, no, there's zombies. It bit somebody. I'm sorry, you have to kill that person until you know for sure that it takes 24 hours, two days. No, you can actually hack off the limb. Trial and error, desperation. Unless right. you stumble across these things, it actually is too great of a risk to the group, and somebody needs to be the uh, the big one. The somebody big... needs to be the trigger man. I, yeah. I really, I really think that a lot of the survival for these sort of situations, a lot of the, the downfall for that sort of stuff, is that people are trying too hard to work within the constraints of the previous society. You know, I think that there's a lot of investigation, literary-wise, comic-wise, all that sort of stuff, with zombie drama where they talk about trying to keep your humanity. You know, correct. Which I don't want to seem like humanity is a is is a wasted thing because that's what makes us human. Uh, humanity is our tool for success. That's what allows us to to be the the dominant species on this planet. But humanity is also our Achilles' heel. I would say that there are lots of different ways that humanity gets expressed. And there are some ways, especially in our modern American culture, that are a little extravagant, that take advantage of the copious resources at our, at our disposal. Mm-hmm. That's just not realistic in that sort of situation. Certain expressions of humanity, I would argue, are almost a, like a luxury. No, you know, I, I totally agree with that because I've got a mom who is not American. Well, you know, she's an American citizen, but she clearly wasn't born or raised here. And there are certain things like if I tell her the phrase doing what I love for a living, that means nothing to her because it has no utilitarian purpose. Right. So I suppose I, I tend to think in terms of that sometimes for certain things. Like like when you asked the question, I was like, well, kill, obviously, because right. that, you yeah. know, that's part of my upbringing. But at the same time, you know, as you guys are talking about it and I'm thinking about it, you can still include a little bit of that humanity and still, you know, sort of use it to your ends in a way. Because on one hand, somebody gets infected, you know, and you kill them immediately. That's essentially what's going to happen to you, too. That's going to ha- that's what's going to happen to them. You're setting a precedent. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But, you know, I suppose if, if you're the person who, who is the trigger person. For example, um, on one hand, uh, one hand, uh, I think that's actually pretty valuable because not everybody wants to be that person, right. and it gives you a little bit of power. But also, on another hand, it lets you demonstrate, I suppose, or it gives you an opportunity to show what type of mercy you have. Where you know you let them have your last rights, like you guys mentioned, that sort of thing, or let them have their last rights, have them, you know, be some sort of helpful, you know, I think within reason, though. So I suppose. It's a, if you are the trigger person, it's a good opportunity to, uh, I guess, win the favor of the other people in how you are going to deal with the person who is infected. Right. Yeah, and it all depends. Like, let's say that this is not the safe compound, but more like a small scavenging party. Well, then standard rules apply of get a bit, run distraction so that they can get the hell out of there or get into certain places. Right. You know, that would just be a standard rule in whatever society that if somehow I miraculously survived the first 10 minutes of the zombie apocalypse, <laughs> I'll tell you right now, wherever I'm at, it's going to be a dictatorship, not a democracy. My compound is going to be the People's Republic of the Brian. That's just <laughs> going to be how it is. Nice. So 
that's the rule. You're out in a scouting party, you run sacrifice. If you are at the compound and you just were recently bit, say your goodbyes to your friends, and I would kill them myself, because you know what? I'm the leader, and I would expect my people to do the same for me. Let me say my goodbyes, and then kill me. Yeah, I think it's an interesting line when you, you're talking about trigger men, too, because, you know, like you said, it's the natural leader that has to kind of step up and take responsibility. But I also think in these type of situations, there's also a certain type of person that starts to take joy in killing. Yeah. And uh, yeah. that's not necessarily the guy you want leading the party, either. No. So th- there's these different type of personalities you probably got to keep an eye out for. Yeah, I think it matters how it's implemented. If the person, you know, is obviously not getting any enjoyment out of it, they're just doing it because nobody else really is, is stepping up. I think that's one thing. But the guy who's like, yeah! Yeah, I, I got this. Or some, don't worry, guys, I'll take care of it. You know, re- reluctant leaders are often the best leaders because reluctant leaders understand before they step into that role the kind of commitment and weight on their shoulders it will be. That's why they don't want to lead. Exactly. And so that's actually, I think, a good point is that if someone is eager to be a leader, they're probably not the right person. Mm-hmm. That's a sage advice from, from JP. Well, you know. Sage like. <laughs> it's another good consideration that if you are too heavy handed in, let's say, the initial outbreak and you're with the same group of people long enough for them to establish a pattern of behavior with you, they will be heavy handed with you. So consider that, you know, mercy. Yeah, the golden rule treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Yeah. Con- consider it, consider it briefly, and then with the circumstances, deal with it. And smashy, smashy. Smashy, smashy. Okay, next up deals with, again, something within the group. What if someone is caught stealing? Now, obviously, I don't mean stealing from one person to another. If you're in a productive group, you're probably going to have sort of central foodstuffs and armory type thing. Even if you're on the move, it's probably unlikely that everybody's going to take care of and be the king of all their own personal supplies, likely going to get put together or something. So in that sort of a situation, possibly, not necessarily the only way it would go, but essentially, what do you do when someone is caught stealing, not from one person, but from the group? Now, is this like, have they already been caught, or you're finding that somebody is stealing, but you don't know who it is? No, let's, let's go with what do you do with someone who's caught stealing? Well, just like any society, you got to have rules, right? Do unto others as you do unto yourself. Right. And, and so... So the golden know, rule comes back around, rears its ugly head. Exactly. It's the basis for all morals and ethics, really. Um, you want to be treated fairly. You want justice. You, you can't live in a world that seems unjust. It just doesn't make sense. You, there needs to be some type of balancing force for you to even want to participate to a certain extent. Right. Um, so, you know, when someone takes from the group, there's got to be consequences. And obviously that's up to who's ever going to enforce those consequences and how far are you going to take them? It, it's definitely a hard thing to decide as societies have been fighting over it for thousands of years. Well said. Well, sorry, go ahead. No, it's just well said. Well said, yes. I think that the, one of the things that's really interesting about this conundrum, this question, is that, especially for those of us that live in a society of abundance, where you can walk down to your local supermarketery and pick up pretty much anything you could possibly want. Any season, you can get fruits and vegetables that are seasonal because they just ship them in from all over creation. And we're not used to having to be really, really careful about simple things like food. We've been able to move past that as a society for, you know, for better or for worse. We have systems in place that allow food to be abundant. And so something like food, something like finite resources, when they're finite, is, I think, almost going to be a little jarring for us when we first start dealing with that, you know? And I think that perhaps we might not appreciate the full weight of what's going on, because you're essentially taking the tools for survival. 
Well, there's something about a meal that you had to procure on your own means, maybe cook yourself versus going to McDonald's. You're going to have a little more pride and feel a lot better about that meal and eating it. It's going to be way more satisfying in a way you'll never get from McDonald's. And you're probably going to be more willing to enforce rather strict justice if someone takes that from you. It's not, not only because you actually, it was hard earned, but also because it is your literal key to living for the next couple of days. Yeah, there's definitely a stronger bond. In, and I heard a saying earlier that dignity comes from being able to provide for yourself. Mm. And when someone's trying to take your dignity, you're definitely going to try to back that up. Absolutely. It's important to note, you know, the, the severity of the punishment for the severity of the item in question. Right. Uh, for example, all right, let's say gasoline is needed. But gasoline's not used for transportation because you have a sedentary base. You know, a place, one place where you go and, and venture out. So if somebody needs a small portion of the gas supply, but gas is not really something that's a commodity anymore, kind of like it's a lean, you know, oh, we only need it for this. It's only an issue between the people that it's an issue with, but if it's a, it's a group store, percentage-wise, how much is taken, how much the office you can prove is taken, and how much that sets back the group should be sliding scale, how much that person is punished. Right. Um, give them the bitch jobs. You know? <laughs> yeah. uh, the, that's, that's so what, punish them, but don't kill them. I mean, well, yeah, yeah. Somebody who stole something can still swing an axe. Well, my way of doing it would be, in the People's Republic of the Brian, <laughs> um, this would be the only thing that is actually voted upon. Mm, and like it that. would you would bring the person up, you would let them know that this person did this. Our society is based on trust and you following me. Um, and should be, should be the other me, way around. the Brian. You should yeah. follow you, based on following me and and trust and trust. Yeah, trusting each. But Man, to, yeah, in order to live, it. we need to trust each other. Sure. This person just broke our trust. We can either leave him here with us and give him another chance, or her, or it, or we can let this person go out on their own. Vote of hands. Who wants him to stay? Vote of hands, who wants him to go? That way, you know exactly who trusts you, who doesn't. That person will have to look everybody in the eye from here on out, and they know that you stole from them. However, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. They steal a second time. They get stripped of any possessions that might be needed, or, you know, might be valuable, like shoes, socks, coats, that sort of stuff. They get their hands bound behind their backs and shoved out. Now, that somewhere. brings up an interesting point. <laughs> I don't think that I would ever exile someone. I think that if someone was going to get exiled, I'd just kill them. Excellent point. Yes, I really have a problem with, all right, that's it. You're off the island sort of shit. It's like, yeah, no, they're, they know too much. I mean, if someone's really in a part of your inner circle, a part of your survivor group, understands the safety measures you take, the security you've got going on, where your supplies are, which person in the group has a higher or lower fighting skill, all that sort of stuff, who the leader is, that is information that should never leave your survivor group. I would rather I mean, than, on anything but completely amiable terms. Rather than let it be known that you will kill them, it's better to have them escorted off the premises and have whoever escorted them kill them. Oh, yeah, no, I agree. I don't think that everybody would be willing to handle that, but I think that if I were to be the leader or the trigger man or have anything to do with the actual process of dealing with this person... If we want to have some kid gloves, oh, we're just going to let them go and they can fend for themselves. They're, they've lost their place on, on Survivor, or, or, or sorry, at the People's Republic of Survivor Brian. <laughs> Survivor <laughs> Brian. I, Survivor I, the Brian. Yeah, I, don't think that, I don't think that I would want them to be alive with that information out and about. You know, not only do they have that information, but also we kick them out. You know, yeah, I don't think that their 
in any way going to be like, I deserve this. No. They're probably going to get mad. They're probably going to endeavor to take what's not theirs. They're probably, they may even just be vindictive and just want to hurt you. So, I mean, who knows? It's just too much of it, a variable. I don't think it's worth keeping someone alive who's earned their way to be kicked out. You know, if they want to leave, fine. But, and even then, it's a little bit weird. But I think specifically, if someone is about to get exiled, that person has lost. That person no longer has the right to to live, really. So, I mean, that sounds kind of horrible, but no, it doesn't. <laughs> it dep- you know, it, it's a sliding scale of horrible. It depends. And also, I mean, uh, what would you do then? You're not going to tell them that they're going to get escorted and they're going to get killed. So what? who keeps that secret and how many people know that? It all depends on the society you run. Right. For, for example... Uh, well, I think that's more nuanced depending on the group. But in general, mm-hmm. I think that I would be really apprehensive to leave on unpleasant terms with somebody who knows a lot about what we're doing and where we are and all that stuff and then just kick them to the curb. Because I could see that. I mean, somebody who has a secret on you, that's a bargaining chip. And at yes. some point a situation changes and suddenly that's not your confidant and your right-hand man anymore. Exactly. Machiavelli, You'd have to do it yourself, right? Machiavelli writes that you need... The rapper? No, Machiavelli, the... You know, the, okay, because uh, you've talked about him before. Oh, no. Have I talked... Okay, the, the man who wrote The, the Prince... Which is a... Uh, okay, we're talking right. about the real Machiavelli. Uh, the real right. Machiavelli. Okay, cool. He writes how to deal with people. You need to have leverage on all the people. Uh, to be a good leader, you need to... To be a good leader, you have to be able to blackmail everybody. It's not about blackmail. It's about understanding, because in in his circumstances, he's explaining to a new prince of, I believe it was Italy, that the nobles continue to endeavor to suppress the peasantry. The peasantry continue to endeavor to not be oppressed by the nobles. Both of them endeavor to work the prince against the other mm. in their favor. So you being the person in power, whether you brought into power via the peasantry or brought in by the, the lords, you need to make sure that you do not have anybody with a lever on you. Okay. And you have some incentive to at least let everyone think that you have their best interests at heart. If it's, if it's or like their nuts and advice, you know, whatever. Something to that effect. You don't need to have... Let's not call it blackmail. Let's call it gray. Some simile of blackmail. brown Get mail. Get the thesaurus out. We're still you, talking about blackmail. You you either want to have <laughs> mid value mail. But then there 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 are people who are loyal almost to a fault of leaders, whatever that leader may be. You know, if you run that type of society, you need to have the, a good basis in understanding who your people are, what you can rely on them to do. And that they understand your motives. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're going to run it that way, which I don't necessarily recommend, it's important to be completely transparent with your underlings. Uh, you can't be uh, the, the master of secrets and run a successful survival group. Uh, it's important just to, to let people know, not obviously, in the, okay, we're going down. You don't want to make people panic, but let them know what you're thinking as you're thinking it or what you have planned you know, as a contingency. You know, so that they can enact your will without having to assume things. Yeah, secrets have a certain cost to maintain. Yes. And, and it, you don't want to have too many of them. And, and I they, agree. And they, and they are levers against you. Every secret you keep, every lie you tell is a lever against you. Yeah, because then you have to keep up the lie and try not to get tripped up by it. And on top of that, you can very easily lose the trust of your people. Very high Precisely. risk. It's or, much easier to just tell the truth because lies, it's, it's all this, you got to remember it and... Maybe you're telling different versions of it. And, and there's some people I know that have told so many lies they just don't care anymore and continue to keep spouting them mm. and act like no one can tell when it's very obvious. Uh. 
Well, that is it for this segment. I hope you guys enjoyed our existential conversation about undead ethics. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Geek Life, episode 44. We always love to hear from our listeners. Please email us at geeklife at panamega.com with your questions, comments, and insights. Anyone interested in becoming a PM contributor, visit our contact page at contact.panamanga.com and complete the form located there. Music's been provided by AirPlus Recordings. As always, links to the artists and songs featured in this episode are available in the show notes at podcast.panamanga.com. If you'd like more information about AirPlus Recordings, please visit airplusrecordings.com. This is JP. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. I'm sorry. Joe uh, Flanders. Was this NPR? Yes. That's a, <laughs> you know what? I was going to do it. If he asked me to bring us back in, I was going to go you're, you're NPR. Gonna, Welcome back to Gig Life. <laughs> you know what, too? I don't want to have to climb over the my microphone to speak. My, um, all right. Okay. 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 okay.